welcome to the podcast for ballerinas, adult ballerinas, parents of ballerinas, and everyone in between. I'm your host, Georgia Canning, also known as the Balanced Ballerina, and it's my mission to break down the elitist barriers often associated with ballet. Through my own studios and ballet-related businesses, I'm all about providing space and content for people from all walks of life to experience and enjoy the many benefits of ballet. Each month, I'll bring you industry leaders and thought-provoking guests who will hopefully inspire you to lead a more balanced life, full of grace, with a little grit. Hello, beautiful ballerinas. Yes, I am jumping into your ears early this week. Yes, there is an episode still coming out Monday. Um, But I'm jumping into your ears early because I thought I would do a podcast episode in relation to a blog post that I posted um, last week. So last week I posted my top 10 tips for auditions. It's that time of year, August and September, where studios and companies and the schools that are attached to companies are starting to audition for 2020 programs and contracts. So I, um, without sounding braggy, yes, that's a word, I think. Let's go with it. I I got into, I think, pretty much everything that I ever auditioned for um, growing up in the ballet world. So I thought I would share my top 10 tips. And in doing so, I've had so many uh, little ballerinas message me and go, thank you so much for sharing. These were really helpful. So I thought I'd also just make it a podcast episode um, so that people can listen if they're not as much into reading so that the option is there. Also, it's a good opportunity to share some Ballet World news, although looking at my list of uh, news, they're kind of more like recommendations. So Anyway, I guess I will share my recommendations today. My first one is actually a book. Everyone, if you're a listener of the podcast, knows that I love books. Um, I bought myself Dancing Under the Southern Skies, A History of Ballet in Australia by Valerie Lawson. Now, I hadn't heard of Valerie Lawson before until I came across this book, and she is pretty awesome. So Valerie is an author and a journalist, and the former arts editor of the Sydney Morning Herald and foundation editor of the same paper's weekend magazine called Good Weekend. Now, she has written lots of freelance articles for the Australian Ballet and international ballet companies that tour to Australia. So that includes the Paris Opera Ballet, American Ballet Theatre and the Bolshoi Ballet. And her book is basically a really rich history of Australian ballet scene. So not just the Australian ballet, but but ballet basically in Australia. The foreword is by David McAllister as well. So anyway, it's just a really beautiful book. It's got a stunning cover of a dancer in this beautiful red dress doing a big grand jeté. Or, uh, in the Australian outback and it's just it's just the perfect cover for this kind of book and so I would recommend to spoil yourself and buy yourself this as a present or um, buy the ballerina in your life this as a present because they will love you. Number two I thought I would share with you an article that I think everyone should read it's fantastic and I absolutely love it 
Um, previous podcast guest Philippa from the Australian Ballet School, um, the counsellor there, so you can listen back to her episode, which was the one um, which was uploaded most recent. She actually recommended this article, and after she did that, I read it and I shared it with everyone on um, my social media, and everyone else seemed to love it. So I suggest Googling redefining the ballet body. And you will find it on danceaustralia.com.au by Catherine Wells. I'll give you, I'll read out a, a small tidbit from the article. She says, I was always aware that dancers are encouraged to look a certain way. I've lost track of how many times I was told to lose weight over the course of my training. The negative body image narrative around me was constant. From teachers to fellow dancers, I was humiliated in front of a classroom of peers the teacher pointing out that while I was more capable than another, slimmer dancer, she would be the one to get a job. I went through the sometimes agonizingly awkward, self-conscious years of a teenage girl being told at every turn that my body wasn't right. I had fellow dancers refuse to partner me because I was too heavy. Even in positive reviews of my dancing, my body was always commented on, pointedly acknowledged, set apart as real or different. Real or different are in quotation marks, by the way. Almost as if I could dance in spite of it instead of because of it. Um, Now, it's just a really fantastic article for young dancers to read because, as Catherine says, her body has allowed her to experience some of life's greatest joys and that there's no such thing as a dancer's body. There is no such thing as a real body that All bodies are real and if you dance, you have a dancer's body. And whilst, yes, some companies and um, some places require a certain body type, there is room in the world for lots of different bodies and lots of different dancers with different bodies. That's a mouthful. But if you catch my drift, it's just a fantastic article to read. If maybe if you're a student and you feel like you don't quite fit the mold, or you just need a bit of inspiration or a bit of a pick-me-up if you're suffering from kind of any of these thoughts. Anyway, my third seeing as I'm going with recommendations, let's go with one of my favorite things, food. I have been so busy lately going between Estedford's, um, watching my students compete. We've had ballet exams. It's just been nonstop, I think, um, I think I've actually been working three weeks straight. I usually get Sundays off, but at the moment I don't even have Sundays off. But what I'm finding is that the thing that's slipping is my meal prep and I'm all about my meal prep. So every day before I've left the house, I've put a banana, an apple and some trail mix in my bag. And sometimes I don't get through all of that, but it has saved me in times where I'm sitting in the theater or I'm sitting at a comp and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so hungry. And all they have at the canteen is like hot chips or something. It's nothing wrong with hot chips every now and then, but I just want something that's, you know, better for my skin. And anyway, so I've been able to pull out one of these three things um, from my bag and it's been a lifesaver. So I suggest my third recommendation is when you are going through busy periods, before you leave the house, chuck an apple, banana, some trail mix, or whatever the three things are that that are easy for you to um, chuck in your bag. It's just um, a really good habit to get into. Anyway, on to today's topic. So 
I want to stress that the following advice is mostly in relation to ballet auditions because that's the kind of environment that I know best. If you're about to embark on, say, a jazz, musical theatre or a commercial dance audition, these tips will also be useful. However, I'd also do some further research into your particular genre. Like I said before, without sounding super super braggy, um, I, I was really good at auditions. I really loved them and I, I had a lot of success. So I thought it might be useful to share some of my top tips um, for successfully auditioning for whether it's a summer intensive, a course, a gala or a production or a part-time or full-time program. So hopefully these tips help. But the biggest tip I could ever give a young dancer, to be honest, is that preparation is key. Yes, you most certainly need talent, but a confident dancer is a prepared dancer. And to be honest, if the most talented dancer in the world doesn't have confidence, then they're pretty useless, if I'm honest. And I must admit, there's so many times where I've seen dancers who've let themselves down. I can tell they really want something, but they've let themselves down because they haven't been prepared and prepared fully and and done the work you know, in the lead up, it's not just about the big day. So let's help you get better prepared with these top tips. Number one, hair. Now, this is actually a very important audition element as the way you wear your hair can actually affect the line of your neck and body. I also suggest wearing your hair in a style that suits your face shape. For example, If you have a heart-shaped face, a center part probably won't suit you. Um, And in my experience, very few students can actually pull off a low bun. So I would opt for a French roll or a beautiful flat bun at the crown of the head or something more interesting but still classic, perhaps like like a halo bun. Now, if you don't know what a halo bun is, that's when you do a, a low ponytail and you separate it into two strands and you plait each strand and then you loop it up around your head like halo. I should actually take a photo and I'll pop it up on Instagram of what a halo bun looks like. But in saying that, I also suggest that dancers wear their hair in a style that they're used to. There's nothing worse than feeling your bun or French roll falling out mid-bar. Every dancer knows how that feels, especially if you're a bit of a perfectionist. If my hair was slightly off center or I could feel it falling out, oh my gosh, it just would ruin class for me. So go with a style that you've practiced and tested in class before. Now, number two, shoes. Ensure that you have all the shoes that you could possibly require. I would pack your ballet shoes, a spare pair of ballet shoes, some point shoes, and perhaps your choice of contemporary shoe if you do have um, like a toe thong or um, a contemporary slipper. Um, You just never know. So it's always best to have all these things um, in your bag ready to go. In regards two ribbons. I strongly recommend them. Um, whilst company members may wear elastics on their shoes. And I mean, I, I don't think any company members wear, wear, um, flat ballet shoes with ribbons, point shoes, definitely, but not flat shoes. Um, whilst you're a ballerina in training, it's definitely, um, wise to wear ribbons because it just projects a really professional and polished look. I also recommend canvas over leather. 
Because unless you have absolutely stunning feet, leather shoes tend to just be that little bit more difficult to articulate the foot. So I recommend packing again. You've got your ballet shoes, a spare pair, point shoes if you're of age for point work. Most of the time point work won't be necessary in an audition. But if you are that age and you do have point shoes, always pack them just in case and your choice of contemporary shoe. The reason why I say to bring a spare pair of ballet shoes is because say you get to your audition and especially if you have ribbons, you're doing up your shoes, you've got enough to think about and all of a sudden one of your ribbons falls off and breaks. Now, wouldn't it be so much easier to just pull another pair of ballet shoes out rather than try and sit there and frantically sew them or go, oh my gosh, mom, look, and get her to frantically sew them because she's probably nervous too. So having a spare pair just saves um, the hassle of that. Now, number three, leotard. So do not wear black. Okay, don't wear black. Pick a color that suits your skin tone and that's a little different. Now, if you have a darker complexion, uh, baby pink or white can look really stunning. Um, If you have a lighter complexion, I would recommend something a bit deeper like a hot pink or a deep blue. Um, I had a beautiful light blue actually leotard. I've got quite fair skin, but I also had a really deep pink leotard that I used to wear a lot um, to auditions and um, don't be afraid of a dark red leotard or something like that if you have um, uh, dark hair and then if you have blonde hair don't be fearful of maybe a shade of purple or green so Basically, there's, you know, just some ideas to get the ball rolling, but just don't choose a leotard with a busy pattern on it. And I'd steer clear from zips, like, you know, those uh, high neck kind of leotards with a zip down the front. I'd, I'd steer clear from that, you know, go with a classic neckline. I would also steer f- uh, clear from attached skirts and I'd definitely steer clear from cap sleeves as cap sleeves can actually make people look a lot wider than what they are. A nice cut that elongates the leg line with a nice low back always wins, in my opinion, especially for an audition. Now, number four, pay attention. So the teacher running the class will throw little details in to see which students pick up on them. And it could be an extra head or an unusual preparation. So Your job in an audition is to soak in every single word during the demonstration and then make sure that you follow through with the finer details they've expressed an interest in seeing. I can't stress how important this is. This is what they're looking for. They're seeing who's really smart and who has the ability to take the information, process it and execute. Also, don't be afraid to ask a question. Um, Not only does this draw the adjudicator's attention directly to you, but it also shows your attention to detail and knowledge of ballet terminology. The only problem with this piece of advice is that just to ensure you only ask one question as any more can become kind of annoying. Also ensure that the question is really smart yet simple. Um, An example of that would be, would you like the arms in second or third arabesque for the grand jeté? I also found that when I was in an audition and I felt like the adjudicators hadn't seen me yet or hadn't noticed me, 
oh, I don't know whether I should say this or not because everyone will do it in their audition. Oh, well, it's okay. So (laughs) if they hadn't noticed me yet, I would ask a question even if I knew the answer to it, as long as it wasn't obvious that I already knew the answer. But I would ask a question to draw the attention to me as if like, hello, I'm here. And I would ask the question. And as long as, you know, it was a really intelligent question and I used correct ballet terminology and I got that correct, um, it was a good thing because they'd go, oh yeah. And I'd see them look up and that would be a good way to draw some attention in, in a positive way. Just don't go asking lots and lots of questions. That's why I'm a bit hesitant giving that advice. Okay. Number five. Now I'm going to go into positions of the room and during the actual audition. So number five, when you're on the bar. Now, the following advice only works if you have a choice about where you stand. However, if you do have a choice and you don't have 180 degree turnout, do not stand at the back of the room, side on to the judges or the adjudicators. The ideal spot is to the left from their view, not yours on the sidebar or the center bar to the left. So usually you might have the sidebar on the wall, a center bar on the left, a center bar sometimes in the center and a center bar on the right and then obviously the right wall. So I would choose to the left, the center bar, if that makes sense, from their point of view, not your point of view. It's really important to remember that It's an audition and you're there to be seen. So also make sure that where you are standing on the bar, that you can be really clearly seen by the front of the room or the people adjudicating. Now, number six in the center. Again, the following advice only applies if you get a choice about where to stand and it also favors the left side of the room. Don't worry too much about what line you're in. Although I would aim for the second or third line, but don't worry too much because they'll probably rotate lines. Now, the reason I stress about being on the left side all the time from the adjudicator's view of the room is because as humans, our eyesight gravitates towards the left naturally. Now, I promise you, I actually tried really hard to do some research on why our eyes gravitate towards the left of a room. However, I really didn't come up with much concrete evidence. So... I apologize, but I do remember an older student telling me about this trick when I first started auditioning for different things. And I really looked up to this particular older student. So I took pretty much everything she said as gospel and I started doing it. I didn't know whether it worked or not. I just did it. Um, It appeared to work. But anyway, now as a teacher, though, and occasionally a ballet examiner, I actually know firsthand that eyes gravitate in that direction especially when I'm examining students or choreographing a new routine, I actually have to remind myself to look towards the right. My eyes just always, you know, cross over to the left. And so look, there must be something in it. Anyway, let's move on to number seven, which is what happens when you're um, up to corner work. So in the corner, ideally you don't want to be in the first group, but you also don't want to be in the last group. I recommend going into the second group or the third group because you're still showing initiative, but it gives you a chance to rehearse the exercise in your head before performing it. However, if no one is putting their hand up to go in the first group, I want you to step forward and show initiative and confidence. You will stand out and be respected for it. 
But if you're not 100% confident with the exercise or the timing, stand back and wait to go in the second group. Because this is the thing, guys, there is no turning back from being remembered as the student who had no idea what they were doing from the corner. Any, um, how do I put this? Any credit you got for putting your hand up and going in the first group and being confident and like, oh yeah, she's confident. Good. You know, everyone else is standing back and good on her. She's, she's gone to the first group. Any credit you get from that will be completely squashed and obliterated if you do a really poor job of the exercise. They'll forget that you were confident and game enough to go first. Now, speaking of corner work, just a little add-on, make sure your Grand Allegro is exceptional. This really seals the deal. Don't spend all your time training and developing beautiful adagio. Whilst high legs that are well-placed are beautiful, they're stunning, we can't argue with that, a large jump is the icing on the cake because it's at the end of an audition. So if you can perform a beautiful chasse, pas de bray, glissade, grunchete, which is at the end of most um, you know, classical ballet auditions or of some form like that, if you can be, do the most beautiful grunchete, you will be remembered. So that is something that I always made sure that I worked on and I made sure I nailed at the end of every audition. Now, number eight, it's really, really important Uh, to remember that they're looking for potential. So it's really important to be in the right mindset before you enter your audition. Perhaps this includes a body scan meditation or breath work as part of your warm-up. But ensuring you're in a good mindset is really important because you're going to have challenges thrown at you and you'll need to pick up exercises quickly so that you can concentrate on how you're doing the step just as closely as what the steps are. Okay, so you're concentrating on how you're executing the choreography, not just what is the choreography, if that makes sense. Now, especially if you're going for a full-time school audition, they're looking for who has potential. They don't expect you to be perfect. And if you get a combination wrong or make a mistake, the worst thing you can do is beat yourself up over it. Now the exercise the second time around or simply move on to the next exercise with grace and poise. It's just really easy to spot a student with a bad mindset from a mile away. And whilst technique can be taught, a good attitude is far more difficult to train. So just remember, they're looking for potential, especially if you're going for a school audition. Remember what a school is. They're there to teach you. So they're looking whether you've got the right look for the studio or for the company or for the mold that they're trying to fit. So have you got the legs, the feet, the the body type, the um, just the style that that they're after? Do you sometimes it bottles down to do you have blonde hair? Do you have brown hair? <laughs> I mean, I guess they could dye it if they really wanted to, but um, they're looking for potential. So they're looking to see what you've got and can we work with that? So if you make a mistake, it's no big deal. Don't stress, just move on. Okay. Now, number nine, it's really important to say thank you. This seems really simple in theory, um, but it's important to note. So from the moment you enter the building, you are on display to the teachers and staff who will be deciding on the outcome of your audition. 
You see, I remember being in a waiting room for a fairly big audition where a fellow auditionee was being, to be honest, there's no other word for it, but an absolute brat. Her mum was being really kind and she was offering assistance and this particular young lady kept telling her mum to back off in an awful tone and she was just really horrible. Um, The way she treated her mum got a lot of attention from people around her, uh, including myself, obviously. And the thing that this girl didn't know was that one of the school directors was standing in a corner that wasn't visible to her. And he was listening to the commotion and just shaking his head. So in conjunction with avoiding bad behavior, it's important that you say thank you to everyone. And I mean everyone from the receptionist who signed you in to the teacher taking class. It actually used to baffle me how many students would leave without saying thank you. I debated whether to tell people my signature move or not, but I guess I don't need it anymore. So I'm going to share it with everyone. But (laughs) my signature move was to thank the pianist on my way out. So obviously this only works if you have live accompaniment. Um, But I actually found most in in most my auditions, yeah, there was probably a live pianist playing. So what I would do is whilst all the other students were, if they were thanking the teacher... Um, I would walk up to the pianist and I would say, thank you so much for playing. Um, That was lovely. And I genuinely meant that. Um, But by playing this move, and it sounds awful if I talk about it like like this, but by saying thank you to the pianist, often the people that were adjudicating or examining would sort of look as to why one of the little girls was walking over to the pianist and and talking to them. and, And they noted that I said, thank you. And that could only leave a, a you know pretty good lasting impression in my eyes. So that was my move. Feel free to steal it. But also, on another note, you should thank the pianist. Um, I think they're quite remarkable being able to turn a teacher's direction and counts into beautiful music for you to dance to. So you should be thanking them anyway. Now, number 10... this is a good one. Don't do anything silly or out of the ordinary in the days leading up. What do I mean by this? Okay. Don't go on a silly diet one week before the audition. You shouldn't be going on diets anyway, but even more so don't go on a silly diet a week before the audition, but also don't binge on popcorn and lollies at the movies the night before. You want to be really well rested sleeping at least eight hours a night in the lead up, drinking lots of water, eating fresh, healthy foods that your body reacts well to. Basically all the things that the Balanced Ballerina's message is all about in looking after yourself. So you want to make sure that you know that this is the date of my audition and in the month or so leading up that you are in peak physical form. And I don't mean that as in restricting. I mean as in really taking good care of yourself so that you're fueling your body so that you can perform the best that you can. It's also important to not do any activities that are out of the norm for you. So that, you know, meaning things that could jeopardize your audition. For example, the month before your audition is not the time to give skiing a try or run a half marathon or go rollerblading or jump on a skateboard. 
just avoid it at all costs. You need to be in peak physical condition and free of injury. At the end of the day, ballerinas, you want to put your best foot forward. And if you do anything silly or out of the ordinary leading up to the big day, it's just a shame because you've put all this work in and you decide to hop on a skateboard at your Uncle Ted's birthday and you roll down the street and you break an arm. I mean, it would just be devastating. You you can't show up to an audition with the broken arm. Well, look, you can, but far out. You'd have to have some pretty, pretty good qualities, you know, downstairs with your legs and feet to be able to pull off a successful audition. Anyway, I hope these 10 tips have been helpful. And just remember, dancers, the best audition is one where you actually have fun and enjoy yourself. And yes, it's okay to be nervous. But as one of my friends often says, if you have butterflies, that's totally fine. You just have to make sure that they fly in formation. I love that quote. So best of luck. Feel free to steal my tips and use them. That's why I'm sharing them. And have an awesome week. Bye.